So you just heard this children's message on stewardship, and just so you're aware, we have a wonderful steward that's up there in the balcony right now trying desperately to get our screens to be working. So not only can you see the visuals that have been put together there, but also that you can be able to watch a video clip in just a moment. So we're going to let the choir um, come out and be able to sit with you, and then we'll see how it's going up there. Nope, he's going like this. Oh, it's sideways, huh? Oh, the screen is sideways. Well, sideways is better than nothing, huh? Yeah. We all walk a little sideways anyway, right? Drew, we love you. You're awesome. I don't know if you could tell in this psalm um, just the visceral nature of the longing that this psalmist is expressing. For instance, in verse 2, My soul longs, indeed it faints. My heart and my flesh cry out. Sing out for the living God. You know, some of us, when we pray, we don't necessarily like to sit still and fold our hands and bow our heads in prayer. Some of us, what works better for us is to get up and walk. Get up and move. Because there is this visceral, physical, in our being longing that's going on and it just is like i gotta go it's like a hunger and so the psalmist is really relating to this nest full of birds up there that's in the temple because that's where they're heading they're heading to jerusalem they're heading to the temple because they have this longing and they're seeking a place they're seeking god's blessing they're seeking they're not even sure sometimes what they're seeking they just know that they're hungry very very hungry so they got to get up and go, and they're saying, I envy the birds. I envy the doorkeepers that actually work in the temple because they are at that place where my hunger seems to be drawing me and taking me. Almost beyond words, beyond what you can really say. It is just something deep, deep inside, this longing and this desire. Well, for thousands of years, people have been hitting the road on pilgrimage, spiritual pilgrimage, and they are indeed walking prayers. They're basically our spiritual hunger taking us to where we think is going to be the place of blessing, the place of meeting with God. For Muslims, pilgrimage to the Hajj. But for Christians, for thousands of years, and even before Jesus Christ, there was pilgrimage being made annually, many times a year, to Jerusalem, to the temple, and there was in that just this craving and this hunger, seeking after a spiritual quest, looking for God, not always sure how to name it. Eventually, they do say the living God, but they are very aware of the hungers that are taking them there. Today, we still have pilgrimage. Some people can literally get on the road and go to a place. And I have been on many pilgrimages to Ireland, to Israel, places like that, to France. Some people can't travel, so they have what you have seen in our common language curriculum right now, which is a labyrinth. That's a walking prayer. But it's local. It's in a room. But it's a walking, a walking toward a destination, toward the living God. Well, I don't know if you know about one of the most famous 
pilgrimage walks that thousands of people go on every year. It's called the Camino de Santiago, and it's in northern Spain. And many, many people have been walking that path to a cathedral in Compostela, which is where the relics of St. James are, but it has become a destination place for spiritual seekers. And there is a documentary put together called Buen Camino. And I want you to see just a clip. It's a four-minute clip of this. So you get kind of an understanding, and we are reminded of the longings that lead us into pilgrimage, that lead us toward God and God's blessing. So hopefully we'll be able to see the video. Pilgrimage is walking. You put one foot in front of the other, and there's a rhythm, but it's a spiritual rhythm, it's a musical rhythm. You kind of swing into step, and whether you want to or not. Back home, every day is kind of planned out. Every day you know where you're going to sleep, and here nothing is set. And there's a great freedom in that. The reason why I decided to do the Camino was because my life was a mess and I had no idea what to do with my life. It's a spiritual journey. No es un paseo. No es un, un llegar a un sitio. Es caminar. Es vivir. Es un sentir. I wanted to get in shape before going to Africa, so I just thought, yeah, why not? Pourquoi tu fais le chemin avec maman? Parce que I'm going to since I believe in God. El camino de Santiago es como una metáfora de la vida, porque en realidad la vida es como un camino. My name is Wayne M.D. I live in British Columbia. One of the spurs that got me here was my old friendship with Jack. And Jack performed the funeral for my wife. What, was, what happened? Um, she died suddenly four years ago. So last year I did a pilgrimage in Japan with my oldest son. It's been one of the highlights of my life, actually, to, to do that particular trip with my son. And it was for you guys to honor your wife. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. I Thank bet, you. <laughs> I bet she felt that. Uh, I think so, yeah. So, sorry, I'm just, oh. it's still fresh sometimes. Of course. You know. I'm quite frankly confused a lot of the time about things beyond the physical, if, if I can put it that way. Um, there, are, there are moments where you think all of this is part of some big, massive whole. And then other days I think it's just a big, bloody mess, and I'm just happy to be walking here. There may be something beyond, and I don't know what it is, but I've learned to be very patient with myself and try and accept but this day is what I have now, and there are no guarantees about tomorrow. And so I will walk this day 
as best I can. And I think that's where I am right now. Jack comes from a far more structured um, intellectual plane than I do, that's for sure. If you go to Santiago to look for him there, you will not find him unless you take him with you. And uh, I think that kind of sums it up for me that life and spirituality are so in intertwined and connected that it's impossible to separate them. I think it's very, very helpful as we're in this psalm to be aware of pilgrimages that start with longings that are quite diverse. My life is a mess. I want to figure out where I'm going. I want to get in shape. I'm grieving. I want to be close to my son. It's a spiritual quest, spiritual hunger to get in touch with the mystery that is greater than all things. The walking is a metaphor for life, but also there is this confidence that there is something holy undergirding and a hunger for it. St. Augustine said it well when he said, Thou awakest us to delight in thy praise, for thou made us for thyself, and our heart is restless until it repose in thee. God has made us for God's self and our hearts, our longings are restless until they find their rest in God, the living God, the place of blessing. But getting in touch with our longings actually is a helpful thing, which helps us plumb the depths of the God for whom we long, who is underneath all those longings. One of the sweetest conversations that we get to hear about and read about with Jesus is when Jesus was exhausted and sat down at a well while all of his followers went in to get something to eat. And as he sat there, a woman came out in the middle of the day to draw water. She sat down with Jesus and they struck up a conversation. At first, it was about water sitting there asking her for a drink of water and her wondering why she would be having a conversation with someone like her, which was not legal. Then Jesus saying to her, you know what, if you knew who was sitting with you, you would ask him for a drink of water and he would fill up your insides with a spring of water that would never stop. And she said, give me this water. And he said, go call your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, that's right, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. Oh, the visceral longings in this woman, longing for love, longing for safety, longing for someone to take care of her, longing, yes, for water, but so many deeper, more enormous and profound hungers and longings brought her to that well, brought her to Jesus, and Jesus speaks to the deeper longing underneath all those longings, underneath all that thirst, all that craving for a place of belonging and safety and love.
John Mogabgab wrote this. He's the editor of Weavings. Just as the thirsting woodland creature can smell water before it is within sight, so a relentless undertow of yearning draws us toward God in the company of a whole creation groaning for complete immersion in the divine life. There is this relentless undertow of yearning. I love that picture. That's drawing us to God, where there is blessing forevermore, a spring welling up to eternal life. And getting in touch with our longings can actually take us to a place, the things that set us on pilgrimage, whether locally, whether internationally, can help us be more in touch with that undertow of yearning. There's a spiritual director, author, uh, retreat leader named Flora Slauson, a well-nurse. She's written several books, and uh, when she meets with people, she will often surprise them when they're seeking, what does God want and what is God doing in my life? She will take them to their longings. She was sitting with one woman who wanted to know God's will for her, trying to figure it out, and she asked a question. She said, what do you love to do? woman thought and said, well, I love to do things with my hands. I love to paint, I love to sew, I love to garden. And then she dug a little deeper and said, what longing underlies that? So the woman thought for a moment. She said, well, I want to feel that I'm making something beautiful and that I've become a part of that beauty. And then she dug even deeper. She said, what longing lies beneath that? And she invited her. She said, try to feel, try to sense that longing at your deepest core. So she closed her eyes. She thought for a moment, long silence, and then she said, I want to be a part of what God creates. My whole body, my whole self, wants to be part of that power, part of that mighty river. It feels very fierce. It feels very joyous. And as she looked at her spiritual director, she said, is that really what God wants for me too? I've always been a little bit ashamed that what I really liked to do was material and physical. I never thought that was spiritual enough. God made us physical people in God's image, male and female, longing for union with one another, longing for union with God. It's inseparable with our being. And this longing for intimacy that exists within every single one of us often lies below the surface of our consciousness. Sometimes the only way that we can get in touch with it is to become aware of the surface longings and desires. Another great writer, Gerald May, psychologist and also a spiritual director, he wrote a book years ago called Addiction and Grace. He said one of the problems that he has seen as he has practiced with people for many, many years and sat with them for healing and help. What gets in the way of really dwelling in God and letting God dwell in us is that we aren't aware of this very deep, inborn desire for God that's in every single one of us, and we attach it elsewhere. He called it attaching to penultimates. These are not bad things. They can be very good things. Things like longing for companionship, longing to be touched, longing for sexual intimacy, longing for children, longing to care for our children, for the safety of our children, longing to do well in our work, to do well at school. 
But these things are penultimates. They are not the ultimate. They cannot be that place of ultimate communion for which our deepest, deepest core soul longs. He wrote this, after 20 years of listening to the yearnings of people's hearts, I'm convinced that all human beings have an inborn desire for God. Whether we are consciously religious or not, this desire is our deepest longing and our most precious treasure. It gives us meaning. Some of us have repressed this desire, burying it beneath so many other interests that we are completely unaware of it. The longing at the center of our hearts repeatedly disappears from our awareness. This last week I heard about a movie about walking the Camino de Santiago. Um, it's a, a movie that was put together by Martin Sheen and he did it with his son Emilio Estevez and it's called The Way. And it's fictional uh, though it was something that they worked on as father-son and it's a great story. It is about this father named Tom who is a widower and he has poured himself into his work. He's an ophthalmologist, he's a workaholic, and he has one son. And his son is such a disappointment to him because his son drops out of school. He's this free spirit who wants to shirk all responsibility as far as his father's concerned. And he goes all the way over to Europe and he wants to walk the Camino de Santiago. So he does that, and tragically, when he is in one treacherous part, crossing the mountains, he's stuck in bad weather, and he dies on the Camino. So the father, named Tom, Martin Sheen, he travels all the way to Europe to retrieve, to actually identify his son, and to retrieve his son's things. And as he retrieves the things, all that he finds is this backpack and these boots and everything that the son was using to walk the Camino. So he decides to have his son cremated and to pick up the walk. And he decides to walk the Camino de Santiago. And as you can imagine, he's filled with all these emotions, all these longings, enormous sadness. Sometimes it comes out as anger, remorse, deep regret. He's a Catholic, he has this longing for God. So as he walks this road, he ends up bumping into and traveling with some very odd companions. And there's some real interesting ups and downs and rants and ravings that he goes through. But at one point, he meets a priest who's also walking the Camino. This priest unusually has a yarmulke on the back of his head. But it turns out that the only reason the priest has that yarmulke on is because he has cancer and he's covering up the fact that this cancer won't heal. So he hands Tom one of his rosaries. So Tom takes the rosary and travels with his companions. And eventually they stand at the foot of a cross on a mound of stones where you are to dedicate yourself and your work and your longings to God. So much has happened in his life. And because it's a Hollywood movie, they don't really give credit to the deeper longing for God that's going on. But that rosary was important. The prayer walk was important. His displaced longings attached to penultimates shifted over to finding blessing in all that God had to give to him and all of who God is. This is what pilgrimage is. 
Our longings, these visceral cravings, put us on a prayer path, discovering where these longings perhaps are displaced. Good desires, good things, but they're not ultimate things. So where is the ultimate? Where is the blessing? Where is happiness? That's the word we probably use today. My question to you is, why did you make a pilgrimage here this morning? Why did you walk in the door? You might say, somebody forced me to. You might say, I like church. I like the people. You might say, it's what I do on Sunday morning. It's what I've done my whole life. Maybe you came because you need reassurance. Maybe you came because you are seeking God's blessing, God's presence. Maybe you'd say, I need hope that the silliness and the sadness and the tragedy that I hear every day in the daily news or that I experience in my daily life is not all there is. A couple thousand years ago, there were two men walking on a road, and they were walking to their hometown of Emmaus, and it was right after Jesus' death, and they were overwhelmed with sadness because they knew him and they'd walked with him, and they were overwhelmed with hopelessness. Here was this amazing man, innocent man of God, who actually was put to death and crucified, so the corrupt powers had won. The violence had won. They were filled with so many emotions, and the walking helped. And they talked, and they talked, and all of a sudden, Jesus starts walking with them. But they didn't know it was Jesus. And he just lets them talk. And then he starts reminding them about the way of God in their scriptures, and that God was still up to something here. And then they finally get to their home, and they ask him to come in. And he does come in. And he sits down with them at the table. And as soon as he breaks the bread, they recognize him, and he disappears. But there's still the bread, and there's still the cup, and there's still communion. And as the story progresses from Luke into Acts, There is this dwelling within us. There is this surprise reversal that it's not all about us making pilgrimage to God. It is about God making pilgrimage to us. Right where we are. The deepest sadness, the deepest hopelessness, the deepest cravings, the deepest longings, just like that woman at the well, so starved and trying to find it in another man, in another man, in another man. And Jesus says, if you drink from the water that I can give you, it will be inside you, it will well up to eternal life. But you have to invite him in. He doesn't force his way. Our undertow of yearning for God is only exceeded 
by God's undertow of yearning for us to meet us right where we are. Whatever burns in you this day, the pilgrims of Psalm 84 invite us to follow them to the blessing that comes from God alone, from dwelling in God and God dwelling in us. For as the psalmist says, the Lord God is a sun, a shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. O oh, Lord of hosts, blessed is everyone who trusts in you. Invite him in into your house, into your heart, and he will come. Let's pray. God, you know us better than we know ourselves. You know the longings that we carry this day, the fears, the anxieties, the desire for people we love to be safe, a longing within us to be free from pain, to be well again, to be recognized, to be loved, to belong. Jesus, thank you that you come to us. And this day, we pray that you would live in us, O God of blessing. O God who wants to give us everything. O living God, come and live within us. Make your home in me this day anew. For I long for you. Thank you that you make your pilgrimage to us. And nothing can ever stop your love for us. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.